grace and peace to you this morning. It is good to be here with you today. As we gather, we certainly have come from lots of different places and spaces, so I invite you just to take two or three deep breaths to center yourself here in this place. Let us now prepare our hearts and minds to worship God. rise in body or spirit for the call to worship. Christ is in our midst. How will you bid him welcome? We will throw open the doors to our hearts. We will delight in his presence. When God shows up, surprising things can happen. We will make ourselves ready, setting aside our distractions. Here we receive good news. Nothing is too wonderful for God. Let, Let us, us laugh and sing, rest and listen, dance and praise. Let us worship God.
Welcome to worship this morning on this lovely, sunny summer day. As our call to worship reminded us, God is in our midst, and we can throw open the doors of our hearts and sit in his presence and be nourished. Let's join together in our community prayer found in your bulletin. Let us pray. Wonderful, surprising God, you bring us hope when we are discouraged, peace when we are anxious, and joy when we are least expecting it. Help us now to rest in your presence. Be a welcome guest, not only here, but everywhere we go this week. Show us how to receive all that you have to offer us. May we remain open, even to what seems too incredible to be true. For with you, so much more is possible than we even imagine. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Our prayers continue in silence. Friends, the Bible has a number of images that speak to the love and mercy of God and the breadth of the Spirit, phrases like, as far as the east is from the west, as high as the heavens are above the earth. And so it is that the Spirit is with us to be present, to forgive, to transform, and for that we can be thankful. Amen. And I want to invite any of the children who are worshiping with us this morning to come join me here at the front. All right. Good morning. So I wanted to share with you this book, and I was really inspired to share with you this book today um, from the song we just sang. We're going to eat at the welcome table. You know, thinking about how we welcome others into our lives, perhaps even how we welcome God into our lives. So this book is titled, Welcome. Huh, interesting. wonder what it has to say. So I am a polar bear. That's me with my feet in the water near my friends. Life is quiet and peaceful on the ice. But wait a minute, what's that noise? Crack! The ice breaks, we're drifting away, my friends cry. Hold on, I reply. And then it's just the three of us floating in the middle of the big blue ocean. We need to find a new home, but the water goes on forever. We play games to pass the time. I spy with my little eye something that begins with W. Hmm, what could that be? Wave! The sky darkens, the waves grow bigger, I'm scared. We need to find a new home right away. We need to find land, we're saved. Hello, cows, we're looking for a new home. May we live here, please? Well, you're too furry, you're too tall, you're too, you're too bear-ish, sorry. Off we go again, looking for a new home. 
Our little ice boat is getting smaller. Is there somewhere we can land? Yes, this could be our new home. Hello, panda. May we please come ashore? Hmm, you're, you're too many. Look around. There's just not enough room. Not enough room. Hmm, interesting. Uh, you can't live here. By the time we reach another island, our little ice boat has almost melted. We don't have much time. Help us. The giraffes say, did you hear something? No, you? Well, well we could go and look. Uh, that's too much trouble. Pass the tea. Things don't look good. We're about to give up hope when the ocean carries us to an empty island and not a moment too soon. We have a new home all to ourselves until, hmm, there seem to be monkeys arriving in a boat. Excuse me, we're looking for a new home. Can you help us, please? It looks like you've got plenty of room. And now the bears, hmm, you are, what do you think you're going to say? Too furry? Too orange? Hmm, you are... Welcome! And then they're going to have a polar bear and monkey party. Woohoo! Look at that. So it does. It makes me wonder when I read this book and I see the polar bears get turned away and turned away, but then finally they find a place, and instead of turning others away, they open their arms and their hearts and their homes, and they welcome the monkeys. So it just makes me think, how might we welcome others into our lives and especially, how might we welcome God into our hearts, into our lives? So I encourage you to think about that. Maybe talk that over with your own families this week about how we are welcoming. So I invite you now to head out to Sunday school. Go now in peace. Go now in peace. May the love of God So we come to uh, another time of shared prayer. Uh, bidding prayer we'll use this morning, so I'll ask you at some point if you have people or places on your heart and in your mind this morning to call those out and just share those. Uh, and You may wish to have some that you hold in your heart uh, and don't mention, but those will be part of our prayers as well. So as we Join together in this time, let's begin with a moment of silence so that we can collect ourselves and become focused in prayer. Let us pray. Holy One, we can bring everything to you. And there are people and there are situations who for us create concern, who face the reality of illness or loss or trauma. Be with us as we mention those people or situations that have been in our minds and hearts. Lord, hear us. 
God, we rest in you. We know that our deepest security and essence is in you. And as we think about these people or places that we have been uttering, make us and them aware of healing power, of presence, and help us and them be grounded in you, embraced by and encouraged by you, more aware of your light and peace, even in circumstances that may seem dark or troubling or turbulent. We pray for the mission trip, which will be leaving this week for Southern California, for the service that they will perform, the spirit that they will bring, and also the spirit that they will find where they go. We pray for our society and world in the midst of the pressures and divisions that are so evident. May we reach out to others in ways that heal, that increase justice, that cherish the freedom that you have given us to be full sons and daughters of the Spirit. And we pray for wisdom, not only for ourselves, but for leaders as they navigate pressures and choices that are upon them as well. Help us to retain in the midst of this our compassion, our willingness to reach out, our capacity to step up and serve and be helpful. Continue with us as we pray now the prayer that our Lord Jesus taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from evil. Thine is the kingdom, power, and the glory forever. Amen.
That was beautiful, Beth. Thank you so much. Our first scripture reading today is Psalms 138. Listen for how the Spirit is speaking to you today. I give you thanks, O Lord, with my whole heart. Before the gods I sing your praise. I bow down toward your holy temple and give thanks to your name for your steadfast love and your faithfulness. For you have exalted your name and your word above everything. On the day I called, you answered me. You increased my strength of soul. All the kings of the earth shall praise you, O Lord, for they have heard the words of your mouth. They shall sing of the ways of the Lord, for great is the glory of the Lord. For though the Lord is high, God regards the lowly. And the haughty God receives, perceives from far away. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve me against the wrath of my enemies. You stretch out your hand, your right hand delivers me. The Lord will fulfill God's purpose for me. Your steadfast love, Lord, endures forever. Do not forsake the work of your hands. The second, re- excuse me, the second reading comes from Luke chapter 10. Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister named Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to what he was saying. But Martha was distracted by her many tasks, so she came to him and asked, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and distracted by many things. There is need of only one thing. Mary has chosen the better part, which will not be taken from her. This is holy wisdom, holy word. So we're going to begin today by imagining, imagining what a conversation between Martha and Mary may have looked like about 15 years after this story. Go for it. Your flowers are beautiful, Mary. And your vegetables delicious, Martha. The meals we share together, two sisters under one roof, is indeed the very best. I couldn't agree more. You know, Mary, that story will follow us all these 15 years later. I am forever the doer, the worker, and the cranky one, the impatient one, the trying-to-be-pretentious one, the bossy one. Well... Never mind. Mm -hmm. And me? I'm the mousy one, the slacker, the navel-gazer, the teacher's pet. Yet the story doesn't work so well for me either. Do you think that that's all anyone will remember us about? Surely not. 
John tells the story of you going out into the road to meet Jesus when he came after Lazarus' death. And in the midst of the threat from Jerusalem, only miles away, you called Jesus the Christ, the child of God, the one for whom we wait. No one else spoke with such faith during Jesus' life. Your faith is born of heart searching, not doing the dishes. Oh, well, and, and you? You are not just noted for listening and weeping. But you poured perfume on Jesus' feet. Just when Lazarus' miracle had made us already notorious, already targets, that's no meditative self-enlightenment, Mary. That's risky. That's troublemaking, pure and simple. Maybe drying his feet with my hair was a little over the top, huh? <laughs> it certainly got Judas all twisted up. What a look on his face and on yours. How proud you were. Oh, Jesus did love us both so much. Didn't they, Mary? Didn't he, he, Mary? He did. Though, I also think he loved everyone. Well, agreed. But I will tell you what's even more important, to me at least. More important than Jesus loving us? Yes. More important than Jesus leaving, living, <laughs> loving us is how much we loved him. I do hope they remember that when they read our story. Meanwhile, is it going to be forever that I will be remembered as too lazy to get up and chop basil? <laughs> it will be as long as I am remembered as a whiner. Oh, and a great cook. I just hope no one remembers my cooking. Trust me, they won't. Or my long prayers. Oh, you mean the one that goes, Dear God, bless dinner, amen. Yeah, that one. We really do compliment each other so well. Amen to that. Amen. So I want to thank uh, Marin Tirabasi, a pastor, for sharing that with us this morning. And I like to, I like to imagine what Mary and Martha may have been like, because I think when we hear their story from Luke's gospel, um, it's very easy to sort of very narrowly stereotype who they are. You know, Martha is the doer and Mary is the beer. Or, you know, Martha is the activist and Mary is the contemplative. Or even Martha was wrong and Mary was right. But, you know, that's a short story in Luke's gospel. It's five verses you know, and there's so much more I have to think to those two women than just five verses can share with us. And I also like to imagine what they might have been like because I think it helps to broaden the narrative that we often hear about this particular story. You know, when I hear people explain Mary and Martha, it often goes something like this. So Martha is this sort of bossy worker who is only focused on her tasks and Mary is kind of this lazy woman who all she'll do is sit at the feet of Jesus. And Martha gets all upset because Mary won't help her. So Martha tells Jesus to tell Mary to get up and help. But Jesus instead tells Martha that she's worried and distracted. And that in fact, Mary has chosen the better part. Well, then all of a sudden, we certainly can't consider Mary lazy. No, no, instead, instead, maybe she's an active listener. And 
All the contemplatives in the room sort of raise their hands in triumph and all of the activists slump their shoulders in defeat. And there's the story. But I have to think, I have to think there is more going on in the story than that. And that's what I want to explore a little bit today. So I'm guessing that some of you maybe have read the book by Gary Chapman called The Five Love Languages. You know, in it, um, Chapman basically describes five ways that we both give and receive love. And he says that it is words of affirmation, quality time, receiving gifts, acts of service, and physical touch. And he says in his book that each one of us usually has a dominant love language, one that we really prefer to use to share and receive love. He even has a survey in the back of his book where you can figure out what your love language is. Now, before you all run out and buy the book, I couple of caveats about this book. That was his first book, and it's written very specifically for couples. He followed that up with a book for single people. So if you are interested in learning more, get the book that applies to you. My main beef with Gary Chapman is that his book is very much about heterosexual couples. There's no indication in his book about any sort of LGBTQ couple. And so, in fact, when my wife and I took the surveys, we had to figure out which one would take the wife survey and which one would take the husband survey. So I have some strong disagreements with the language he uses, but I do really appreciate his theory of the five love languages. And so when I did take the survey, I found out that my love language was acts of service, which was not a surprise. I love to get things done. Yeah. Why sit around when there's a good to-do list to be accomplished? Um, and in fact, that really is the way that I like to share my love with others. You know, if I can take care of doing the laundry or you know, grocery shopping or running the errands so that my family doesn't have to do those things, what better way of saying I love you than that? Now, I will admit it has gotten me in some trouble as well. And usually the trouble starts when my focus moves from wanting to share my love with other people to just wanting to finish the to-do list. You know, in fact, my love language of acts of service can in times become more annoying for my family than loving. You know, sometimes a conversation will go like this. Bethany, we just want you to come and sit down and hang out with us, spend some time with us while I'm busily scrubbing the toilets And my response is, but have you seen the toilets? They're gross. Somehow that's not about love anymore. So Martha never took the survey, but I'm guessing acts of service was her love language as well. You know, Jesus shows up at her doorstep and she immediately gets to work. Right? There are things to be done in order to appropriately welcome Jesus. You know, there's food to be cooked, a table to be set, probably dishes to be cleaned. You know, and in doing all of that, she really is showing Jesus her love in the best way that she can. Now, Mary, I'm guessing her love language might have been quality time. You know, Jesus shows up and all she wants to do is be with him to sit at his feet and learn from him. And that is the best way she knows to share her love with Jesus. You know, both women doing their best to show Jesus their love. But 
somewhere in the course of the day, Martha falls into the trap that I sometimes fall into as well, and her focus shifts from sharing her love with Jesus to getting worried and distracted about all the tasks that she needs to do. And Jesus notices. For when Martha comes to him and asks him to get Mary to help, instead, he points out. He points out that her, her focus has changed. He says, Martha, you are worried and distracted. You know, it's Mary who has chosen the better part. Now, I want to be clear that Jesus is not saying that acts of service are a bad thing. I think that's often how this story gets interpreted. Oh, Jesus, he must have been a contemplative, not an activist. But that could not be further from the truth. For time and time and time again in the Gospels, Jesus calls on us to serve one another. He is very clear about that. Service is important. So what he is talking to Martha about is not that her wanting to serve is a bad thing. It's her worry and her distraction and her focus that has moved away from him that is the bad thing. Mary is 100% focused on Jesus. She has chosen the better part. It makes me wonder, if Martha is having trouble focusing on Jesus when he is literally standing right in front of her, how much more difficult is it for us to keep our focus on Jesus through the many distractions that fill our lives? For our call as disciples of Christ is to follow Christ in all aspects of our lives, in our relationships, in our work, in our leisure, in our many daily tasks. We are called to focus on Jesus. But that can be so hard as the worry and the distractions begin. I'm reminded of a story by a Lutheran pastor, David Lose, and he tells a story about his dad, who was also a pastor, and he shares that his dad, during worship, loved to sing the hymns very boisterously, which is great, except for the fact that apparently his dad didn't sing very well. And so Lose tells a story about when he was a teenager and his dad had accepted a call at a new church in a new community. And this church had microphones like ours where it's the pastor who has to turn the mic on and off at the right times. And apparently Lose's dad was not so good at turning off the microphone when it was time to sing. So this is the story that he shares. He says, now my dad was not a great singer. He wasn't tone deaf, it's just that he pretty regularly managed to sing more than a few notes slightly off key. I was 15 at the time, brand new to this church, school, and community, and eager, okay, make that desperate, to make new friends and to be accepted. And so when I heard the sound of my dad singing off key and louder than everyone else, I would cringe This went on fairly regularly for much of the fall. But on one of those Sundays when my dad had again forgotten to turn off the mic so that you could hear his off-key singing above everything else, and when I was again cringing in embarrassment, my mom noticed what was happening. I'm pretty sure she did not approve of my reaction, 
but she didn't frown or roll her eyes or do any of the things parents are prone to do when they see their children overreacting to something. Instead, she leaned over to me, smiled understandingly, and then whispered, you know, when your dad is retired, I'll miss his singing. So now there Los is sitting in worship, should be one of the easiest places to keep our focus on God, right? But instead, he is totally worried and distracted by his dad's off-key singing, while his mom, when she watches her husband and hears her husband singing, it sounds like all that she hears and sees is her husband's devotion to and praise of God. You know, he's not distracted by microphones or even melody lines. No, all he wants to do is worship God with his singing, solely focused on his praise. You know, when I hear that story, I think of the psalm that we heard. You know, the opening line, I give thanks to God with my whole heart. I would guess that psalmist had plenty of distractions in his life. And yet, as he sings his song, he praises God with all that he is. Now, I chose this particular story because it reminded me of this psalm. Also, because it was about music, and I'm a sucker for a story about music. But I truly could have told a story about anyone doing anything. For truly, we are called to focus on God on our love of God, on God's love of us in all that we do. It doesn't have to be a preacher singing a hymn in the middle of worship. I mean, that's kind of obvious. No, but it's about focusing on God in all parts of our lives. Now, I don't doubt that both Mary and Martha did love God fully and completely. But on that day, It was only Mary who was showing her love to Jesus with all of her heart and her soul and her mind, just as Jesus had taught her to do. It was Martha who was worried and distracted. And what it took, what it took was a gentle reminder from Jesus to switch her focus back to him. And I hope that that can be a reminder to all of us as well, especially in those times when we are feeling worried and distracted. May we shift our focus back to God. And when truly in all the ways that we show our love, you know, be it through words or touch or time or service or gifts, may always our focus remain on God. Now, I want to try a little something now that some of you are going to love and some of you are going to hate, but go with it, all right? I find that this Mary and Martha story is one that a lot of people have a lot of opinions about, so I want to actually give you all a chance to share with one another very briefly, and my question for you is, what is it in your life that you find fills you with that worry and that distraction that Martha was falling into? And in those times, what is it? that helps you return your focus to God, okay? Not going to give you a lot of time for this. Don't go off on any dissertations, all right? But maybe find two or three people near you. Have just a brief discussion on that. What is your worry and distraction? How do you get your focus back to God, okay? Give that a try. A couple of minutes.
All right, I'm going to invite you to uh, put a pin in those conversations. But we are going to have some amazing coffee and tea and snacks after worship. So if you want to continue, I truly, I do encourage you to do that. And for those for whom that was a little difficult or not too comfortable, thank you for giving it a try. And so what I would like to do now, I would like us to actually sing together number 628. Why I chose this particular song is that I really appreciate how the lyricist has included praise and love and service all together in one song, you know, all intertwined, which is really how I hope that we all live too, with praise and love and service. So you can remain seated and let's sing together 628.
You may be seated. As always, I invite you to take a look at the bulletin to see what is going on here in the life of the church. As Ted mentioned during the prayer time, our high school mission team left very early this morning down to San Diego for a week of service. So I do encourage you to hold our youth and our adult leaders in your prayers. They'll return on Saturday. Um, As well, during the month of July, all of our sort of regular church meetings have taken a break but believe it or not, next week is August, so our, uh, our regular meetings uh, are starting back up again, and a week from Tuesday on August 6th is our commission night, um, eight different commissions meeting all at the same time, and it's a great way if you've been thinking maybe you want to get a little more involved but don't want too much commitment, joining a commission is a great way to just uh, be a little bit more active in the life of the church, so if you're interested in that, I invite you to just ask me for more information. Um, And lastly, our Wednesday class, which is Wednesdays at 9.30, is starting a new session this coming Wednesday. We're going to be looking at a few words that we often use in our faith speak, but maybe we need to examine a little bit more what they actually mean. So if you've been thinking about maybe trying out the Wednesday class, this would be a great time to do that as well. So with that, I invite you to stand as you are comfortable for our closing hymn. It's number 450.
as you go from this place, know that the love of God, who is our creator, Jesus Christ, our redeemer, the Holy Spirit, our sustainer, goes with you now and always. Amen. Thank you.